It's episode 172 of Three Songs Podcast, November 18th, 2021. Bob Nastanovich in Des Moines, Mike Hogan in Portland. Bob, how you doing tonight? Yeah, really good. We're at it again. Yeah. And, uh, After six weeks uh, hiatus, we're going straight uh, one week after our last one. Yeah, it's, you know, it's going to get it going. It's the holiday season, so let's give the gift of music podcasts for those that <laughs> are passionate about the three songs, three songs pod. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I, you know I mean? there were a lot of nice uh, welcome back messages that I saw online for, for us. So. Oh, good. Yeah. Oh, good. That's nice. It was... it's, better than, it's better than like, oh, I forgot your lot existed. <laughs> like, you know, oh, shit. Like, well, yeah. next time I'm in, I'm in a traffic jam, maybe this will help. Right. Right. It's better than I thought. Yeah. You, I, I forgot you were still alive. <laughs> I kind of like that. <laughs> yeah. Um, well. Anyways, I'll kick things off. I'll kick things off here on episode 172 of Three Songs Pod um, with a band called Horse Girl. Are you familiar with them? I am not. Okay. They're from Chicago. Three young women from Chicago who actually started as a band in 2019. Okay. And we're playing their first gigs in Chicago. Um, I think pretty much like high school, junior, seniors. Like, you know, okay. what does that make them? Like 16, 17, 18 years old, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Gigi, Nora, and Penelope are their names. <clears throat> and um, things have happened for them really fast. And uh, sometimes I think uh, maybe it's because they... Maybe it's because, you know, a band ticks all the boxes of whatever, whoever things work in the strange realm of indie pop. Mm-hmm. Um, they're unusually talented. They wear their influences very much on their sleeve, which is um, kind of brilliant. But like, so what they put out so far is just a few EPs and I'll play... Um, you know, I think there's only about six or seven songs out there so far. Okay. I'll talk about it afterwards, but this is um, a, a song that I think is really um, uh, a gorgeous indie pop song called Ballroom Dancing by a Horse Girl. Needed years to say 
that's pretty. Yeah, it's a pretty song, and um, they've been recently signed to Matador. They have a new 7-inch coming out that you can pre-order on Matador. Um, the A-side's available on the internet. It's a song called Billy. Um, you'll be um, interested to know that the B-side is a um, vinyl, I guess what's as a vinyl-only cover, so I guess you can't hear it um, on the internet. Of history lesson part two by the Minutemen. Oh, so it'd be, in- <laughs> be interesting, interesting to hear that. But that's one of those, uh, um, frankly, a song I consider almost uncoverable. Because uh, well, that's you know, it's funny that you should because you mentioned that on the last show, and when I saw that, I was like, that I, I can't jump into your mind, Mike. You know, it's a very complicated mind you have. Like I, I kind of felt like you say that, so I'm very interested to hear their take. Right. Um. Right, because it's uh, that, such that a That seven inch there came out on a label called Sonic Cathedral, okay. um, which is um, England based. So it's kind of interesting. This band, um, it's amazing how things can circulate really quickly. So, yeah, the pandemic basically shunted their career right when it started, and it's kind of interesting. I don't know exactly how they record. And they obviously have at least two, if not three, really good singers in the band. Um, but they have um, their their kids. Um, it, it, I wouldn't know which two actually started the band, or maybe all three did. But they started their band when they were really young, doing Sonic Youth covers, hmm. and they've cited My Buddy Valentine, Stare. Lab and broadcast his influences. Um, to me, they do have kind of that kind of glorious early Bell and Sebastian feel. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess it's worth noting that it's the 25th anniversary of the release of If You're Feeling Sinister Today by Bell and Sebastian, mm-hmm. which is classic rock. Mm-hmm. And um, also some early Delgados, um, which I wouldn't even know if they've even heard them, but yeah, I could. I could um, hear to me, it's it's really cool that um, these young women have come together and made during the pandemic something that's you know because I'm sure they would have been touring, which you know, right? I know from experience um, being young and touring, uh, both in a band and as a tour manager and roadie, that that can actually be a negative thing. So. Mm-hmm. Um, Whatever their output has gotten a lot of notice, um, you know the way the way music works these days. I mm-hmm. mean, you don't necessarily need to jam a cano. You know, right. you can right, right. Put That's... stuff out and like um, you know, if it, just like everything else, it's always gone on in the music industry. Um, if it winds up on the right desk. Yeah, at the right time. But I think that I think that they, um, you know, they maybe defy all of that. So mm-hmm. um, from what I've heard from Horse Girl, and there's not mu- really much to listen to, is that they have a really, really good sense of not only how they want to sound, but how they want to transfer their influences and sort of siphon it through their own creative personalities and make cool music. So, yeah. Um, well, well done, horse girl. It um, what I liked about that was it 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 you told me so I was prepared for it to be almost like more teenage 
but musically it it sounded much more mature than I, I think what I was expecting based on you saying these were 16 17 18 year old girls um and you know I, and so I, it makes me very interested to see where they could go with a full length uh you know, with that amount of space, because it feel it, even in that three minute plus song, it felt like there was a lot of space and a lot of build and dynamics to the song. And so, it, you know, I'll be I'll be curious to see what they do with a full length, full length record, which is pretty mature. Yeah, and, it um, absolutely it's kind is of interesting. Like, um, they had a hard time getting gigs in Chicago, which is you know somewhat understandable. Normal. Yep. You know, obviously, there's going to be issues with them playing in, you know, places like, for one, Empty Bottle, where, like, sure. you know, it's a, you know, they're underage. Sure. So, yep. um, I know that they, um, one of the best record stores in Chicago, in Wicker Park, is an outstanding record store. In fact, I think they're the only people that carry Brokers Tip products in Chicago called Sugar Records. Uh-huh. And um, they have a friend there that sort of helped, you know, but basically helped them from the standpoint of like getting their music around. And uh, anyways, you know, more power to them. It's cool. I think like, yeah, yeah no, I mean, it's one of those things like, you know, anxious to hear more. And I think one really interesting thing when like, obviously they do have um, good taste. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's one thing because, you know, I think we'd like to think the, th- the same about ourselves and we were 13 and 14, but like the music, when we were listening to music, when we were in, let's say middle school or early high school, I never thought about actually then making a band out of it. I was just content to like kind of be amazed by right. what right. I was listening to. Right. So it's pretty cool that they've been able to like, form a band for sure and for sure. and make something really good of it you D- know diy you know that's going awesome back, going back to the Minutemen. um all right well i'm gonna go across i think to a country we have not visited in the 171 previous episodes i don't think we've ever played any bands from switzerland um but i could be wrong but i don't think we have I'm uh, sure we played things with Swiss musicians on them. I maybe, bet. but I mean, maybe. Uh, but, who knows? But I'm gonna. It's so I'm gonna country. play. I'm gonna play a band from Geneva uh, called Orchestra Toupassant Marshal Duchamp. And forgive yeah. my horrible French. Uh, but no, they're... that's good. That was all right. I was just there. That's you know. <laughs> They're a current band. That's pretty good. Um, They have had, I think, four or five records out. I'm going to play one from their brand new one that came out earlier this year. The album is called We're Okay, But We're Lost Anyway. Uh, And I'm really curious to hear what you think of this. They've got kind of an interesting sound. You're curious to to know what I think of Orchestre to Poussin Marshall Duchamp. Correct. Uh, And I'm not sure how many, I think... It sound they sound bigger than they are, but there might only be a handful of musicians, uh, you know, maybe five, six, something like that. But um, that's an orchestra. I I I almost don't want to mention who one of the bands that they remind me of because I'm curious if you think the same thing without me putting it in your head. So I'm gonna I'm just gonna play the song, then we'll talk. Uh, 
I had. I also will say I had a hard time deciding which one to play. Um, so it's I just a good picked, sign. That means I, there's a lot of quality there. There is, and it's it's pretty diverse. It's a pretty diverse record. So I'm going to play this one. It's called Empty Skies from the album. We're okay, but we're lost anyway.
Yeah, so there you go. Orchestra. Well, for him. Tout passant, Marcel Duchamp. Oh, uh, yeah. You nail it there, man. <laughs> um, very pleasant listen, Mike. Yeah, you I like that? that. Um, yeah, it's delightful. Absolutely delightful. The whole album is great. Um, um, and the album before it, I, I, so I, I've only heard their two most recent. What years records. are we talking? Like, like they, they started in like two thousand eight ish or something. Uh, that sounds about right. Um, two thousand seven maybe. They put out a CD, self titled CD in two thousand seven. Uh, they put out a uh, an album two thousand ten, two thousand fourteen. Uh, the two that I've heard are their two most recent ones, Savage Form, uh, in two thousand eighteen. I bought the, you can still buy, I believe you can buy the vinyl direct from them, um, from their Bandcamp page, which, uh, is the band's name, um, dot bandcamp.com. And, uh, I, so I bought Savage Form with the 2018 LP, as well as the brand new one, which that song comes from called We're Okay, But We're Lost Anyway, that came out just a few months ago. Very, very good, very good band, very good records. Um, I'm curious if you think they sound like who they kind of remind me of a little bit. Um, I don't want to name a name. Is there anybody that jumps to mind for you? I mean, just with my limited brain space stereo lab. <laughs> oh, well, see, it's funny. I was thinking much more. Um, yeah, I could hear that. Um, I was thinking, just based on early stereo lab. Some of their songs have horns and you know, definitely very rhythmic like that. And you know, I was thinking of... like maybe like um when I first when I first started listening to the song, like, you know, I know that you love Dogface Hermans and the X, but yes. they didn't sound as ramshackle as that. Not quite Is as ramshackle, but yeah, there there are at times, yeah, absolutely Dogface Hermans. Um similar vibe so you played a popular one they get more frenzied then yeah i mean they they you they don't get quite as very frenzied. sweet to me it sounded like kind of like light sound very light to me right they don't get quite as frenzied as dog-faced hermans um but similar rhythmic uh feel in some songs for sure so, well, they got it going on. Regardless, good band, worth checking out. And like I said, I, I had a hard time deciding which one to pick. So um, that may not even been the most representative. It just, it was the one that it, five minutes before we, we started recording, I was like, oh, yeah, I'll just do this one. Yeah, no, I had, well, you know, sometimes it works best that way to, you know. What's the name of the song again? That was like, em- Empty Skies. Okay, that was awesome. Yeah. Um. I kind of went through the same thing with Vanishing Twin, the band I'm going to play next. It's a band that, that started, I believe, in London in 2015. Uh, Vanishing Twin is a band headed by Kathy Lucas, who was in a band called Fan Farlow. Um, interesting. It's like, you know, you when you think of band names, um, you often think, like, it's just like, oh, God. We've got to have a band name. What should we call our band? In fact, some good friends of mine in Hull um, that I just spent some time with and saw their band um, at the last second before they actually put out recordings are thinking about changing their band ma- band name because some of the members don't like it. Mm. And so um, so they're actually looking for people to submit lists for band names. Kathy Lucas started Vanishing Twin because um, she actually is – she named the band after her identical twin who absorbed in utero. Um, so she was meant to have 
an identical twin sister who mis- miscarried during pregnancy. Right. Um, I've heard of which that. Which is... Yeah, no, I mean, I think it was, like, first discovered in the 40s um, as a medical thing. Um, probably when they could figure out, um, you know, when when a woman was going to have twins. Mm-hmm. and um, But obviously an incredibly intense part of her experience is to, you know, spend her life thinking that, you know, she was meant to have an identical twin who, who never existed. Um, so I thought that was, cause I, I always thought, I mean, I've, I've seen the band name for years now and I thought, well, oh, that's a good, you know, like that's a great band name, but I didn't know it actually had like really intense personal meeting, but, um, the ensemble is five people, um, and they've made, they started in 2015. This is their third album. I'm going to play one off. I don't know whether it's upcoming or bizarre. It is. I think it is already out. It's called Uki Geku, which is first word O-O-K-I-I, second word G-E-double-K-O-U, which means big moonlight in Japanese. Hmm. And it's on Fire Records. I'm going to play a track I really dig off of it called Tub Erupt.
Yeah, I like that. That um, it's funny. We've talked about Stereo Lab. I think the last couple artists, and that that to me had a very much of a Stereo Lab vibe, kind of that percolating. All three. Yeah. All three. Yep. And um, I think that um, they're on tour. I know that they were sound checking the other night at the Roundhouse in London. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, they've reformed. Nice. Um, I had not heard them that. before, and I, I have to be honest, like, uh, I knew very little about them. I didn't want to look up anything about them prior to you playing them and you telling me about them. But based on the, their album cover, uh, you know, I know you're oh, not... Oh, no, th- I was saying Stereo Labs on tour. Stereo Labs on tour. Oh, Stereo Labs on tour. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Um, so anyways, yeah, go, go ahead with their... The, yeah, the album cover was, you know, the, it looks like a piece of a sushi roll, I think. Yeah, or like an I w- yeah, I wasn't exactly sure what it looked like, but it kind of reminded me in a weird way, same artistic style as like Torch of the Mystics. Uh cl- of course the classic oh, City the, Girls record. Um they they've always looked like baked potatoes to me the cover of Torch <laughs> of the Mystics. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't have I mean, now that you say it, I guess I can see it being sushi, but I I, I didn't even really, it just seemed like a pink, you know, square with um, kind of this amorphous form and a circle and then another blue circle inside of it. I wasn't really thinking that specifically like sushi or anything. It just kind of had this almost very primitive art feel to it. Um, it's cool. It's cool cover. So yeah, exactly. I I was... I was not. Ex- I was expecting something. I think maybe a little bit more primitive because of that, and less polished. I mean, I don't mean that in a negative way at all, because um, I think that was very, uh, was very, just you know, uh, I don't want to say slick because that's that's often a negative term too. I I think it was just it was much more composed and much more beautiful than I was even kind of expecting from. The, the name of the album and the, the twin and the, and the album the cover twin. yeah right yeah it's kathy on the vocals and um valentina on the drums a dude named surumu on the bass um the bass kind of anchored it in a way. yeah what's that i What'd said say? the bass kind of anchored it for me you know it felt really yeah yeah which is always a good idea yeah um elliot Arndt is a man of my, after my own heart, he, he adds flute and percussion. Um, <laughs> and then there's a guy, um, I love this guy's role. His name is Phil Man from Uranus, and he provides weird sounds. All right. Well, maybe the weird now, sounds was what yeah. I was uh, kind of keying in on for the Mysterio Lab vibe. Um, but I dig it. Yeah. That's cool. Whatever, you know. He knows how to oscillate. Yeah. Um, so, quick question: What do you think is a better band name, Pen Not Pencil or Thumb Twiddlers? Pen Not Pencil. Okay. All right. Good. Yeah, yeah that's I, my I, vote. I think the same thing. That's my vote. I think Pen Not Pencil is a good band. I think it's a good. It's a good band name. Pen it Not is. Pencil. It is. Yeah, I like it. Yeah. So take it if you're listening and you're forming a band. You know, feel free. <laughs> Pen Not Pencil, courtesy of. Say say you got enough of episode one seventy two of Three Spot. So uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna just pause for a second. I feel like we missed the opportunity last show. I wanted to mention, you know, this is the first time we've had a chance to talk about you know pavement uh, touring the U.S. next year, uh, next summer. Um, I, I think a lot of the shows have already been sold out. I think there's probably still some tickets available for many of them. Um, they're playing. You're playing 
Edgefield, which is just outside of Portland, about 10, 15 miles east. Thank God I found out it's like an independently run venue. Yes. Yes. Um, yeah. Which Those is our hard to book, my friend. It's, Massive effort by it's, our booking agent to, to book as many independently independently run venues as possible. Yeah. Same booking agent, David Viacelli, that we've had since 1991. Wow. And it's so frustrating um, in this environment to get past all of the live nation. And I mean, I think you right. pretty much like right. have to deal with whatever, but right. like, you know, yep. like I talked to him for an hour the other night and it's a real struggle to book. First of all, it's a real struggle to book gigs in general just because of the backup. Um, sure. But, you know, I know I can always trust him to do what's right within the ethic of what the band's always had. And that's trying in this incredibly high priced concert environment, trying to trying to make things affordable and perhaps it's because he knows the product that's going up on stage, um, you know, is not, uh, is, are you going to be um, a little self-deprecating here? <laughs> Bob, come on now. Um, so let me ask you this. Uh, this is where I interview you uh, for, for a second. We'll, we'll hit and miss like 10 times <laughs> in the same concert, hopefully. Hopefully there'll be enough hits. <laughs> this is when I interview you for a second as a, a member sure as a member of, of one of the biggest you know indie rock bands of the 90s that's reforming. As a, and... guy that spent, as a guy that spent $900 on musical equipment the other day because I'm like, oh God, I've got to start playing gigs again because uh, so nothing in the house. That was going to be my, one of my questions is when is it going to start feeling real for you? Um, was it the other day when you spent $900 on, on new equipment or? No, it, I mean, it won't really feel real to me, Mike. I mean, I leave here on, I think sometime mid May to come out there for three weeks. I imagine we'll be having a lot of lunches together when you're available. Um, love it. That's great. Yeah. Practicing, um, mid May you know, in advance of the June shows in Barcelona, right? Yeah, those are huge. Yeah. Um, the Primavera reschedule, you know, triple rescheduled yeah. Primavera 20th anniversary edition, yep. which I think think has us playing June 3rd in Barcelona and like the 10th in Porto, yep. um, which I'm pretty excited about because I've never been to Portugal. I've only ever heard good things. That's and um, so then I guess we're going to hopefully um, – perform well at those on those two occasions. No, but no, it won't become real to me until no. A, I start the process of really sort of figuring out what songs we're going to prepare to play for both those gigs mm -hmm. and then subsequently for the touring aspect, which is going to involve, you know, pretty extensive tour of, of the U.S. and Toronto, mm -hmm. um, and then U.K. and Europe. So um, I think it's – I haven't spoken to any of my bandmates about it, um, which is the way pavement works. <laughs> um, and <laughs> um, <laughs> so – There's no I, need to, right? Actually, <laughs> yeah, no, I actually – I actually – put some thought into it the other day and when my feet sort of got back on the ground from doing a lot of traveling, which was a real thrill. 
uh, for me, like, you know, uh, to, you know, to be in England and France and then in the San Diego area, it was fan. It was really good. I'm mean, not like it here, but it was nice to, to get out. Yeah. Um, so I thought like, so it seems like, you know, people obviously are, you know, buying tickets and they're, to me, there's been like, um, kind of a really pleasant amount of enthusiasm yeah. for it. Yeah, for sure. Uh, people are excited. Yeah, you know, a lot of people. Ex- yeah. Yeah, not <clears throat> people are excited, and um, which is, you know, when I when we finished the the touring that we did in 2010, I just sort of assumed, um, which is a verb I overused because you know the, you know the. Right. The connotation of the yes. verb to make an ass out of you and me. Correct. That we would never, if we ever played again, it would be just some sort of weird one-off yeah. kind of thing. Um, so to, and I'm not really, again, like just like everything's paid, everything payment. I'm kind of like one of the last to find out, yeah. um, yes. which is fine. I but... mean, I prefer it that way because, like, you know, obviously, I think they kind of know that, like, um, if the i mean i think they kind of just assume again that <laughs> steve west and i are going to be able to are going to do it sure sure you well uh, I would, you're one of the last to find yeah. out but you're often one of the first to talk to the press about it or at least the first that the press come to to ask for you to comment right well i mean i'm the easiest to access um <laughs> and that's intentional yeah um sure. i've got nothing to hide yeah and well, uh, so no, I'm excited about it. it was so, you know, to, to get back to your original question of when it will become reality to me, probably when I make the first set list or make the set list. And, and then, you know, with my concerns about the pandemic in general and if concerts will go off, I mean, I have a dear friend here, Kellen Sanders, who set out to see two artists that she adores, one of them being Ani DeFranco in Minneapolis about, I'm going to guess, two months ago. And then I can't remember the artist, but about 10 days later, she went to Lincoln, Nebraska to see another artist. So she made two seven hour round trips from Des Moines and both concerts got pulled within an hour of them going off. Right. So it's still still touch and go for sure. Um, Yeah. So, I mean, who knows how it's all going to work. Right. I'm cool, like I'm way cool with being bubbled. Right, right. <laughs> um, I'd be the guy sitting way at the end of the bench, like the total garbage time NBA player <laughs> who would only come in the game when the, when it was like a 30-point spread in the game um, that would definitely get his playing time because he would always be happy to follow the rules <laughs> and duck COVID. Like I'm not going to hang places. out. Yeah. I'm way into like playing shows and like leaving with the audience to go back to the hotel room. Um, Cause you know, yeah. as I, as I told David the other night, I was like, you know, really nothing good ever happens after gigs from my experience. <laughs> and um, that's fair. You know, I mean, that's just, you know, you just end up really sort of drinking more beer, yeah. but um, no, I'm, I'm excited about it. I won't, you know, and I thought then when I, I thought like, okay, I've got to get some stuff in here and I've got to, um, so yeah, no, I have to start thinking about what it's like, you know, there's fitness and stuff like that, but 
Um, you know, technically right now, Mike, if we had to go on stage in 15 minutes of Hoyt Sherman, which is where we'd play at Des Moines, um, you know, I could, I could do it because my job is so rudimentary, but at the same time, like, you know, really yeah. ready there's a grind you gotta get perform. ready for yeah but you want to like <clears throat> just like anything else you want to you know feel like you're taking the stage like with yeah. a certain level of like confidence that comes with competence <laughs> i hear you <laughs> you know I hear you. so well i'm excited yeah. because assuming nothing changes it'll be the first time i've seen pavement in 30 years i mean I, I the only other time i saw pavement was 1992 in san francisco at the kennel club uh, whoa so <clears throat> yeah we were awful at the kennel club <laughs> with american music club uh, maybe I can't. It's entirely possible. Oh, yeah, that was definitely the... with Mark Eitzel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we were awful. Gary, it was with Gary, and Gary didn't even know it was Gary. What song it was. Gary was amazed that that there were all these people were coming out to see you guys. He was out there greeting everybody that as they walked in, shaking their hand. Um, I still remember that <clears throat> Gary was well between the time you saw him and then the time that he went on stage. I'm gonna say probably 13 um, vodka and grapefruits were consumed. <laughs> and when I went on stage with him, um, yeah. he didn't even know what song he did. He didn't even know what song. like he was playing the wrong song the whole time. Yeah. It was, I mean, I actually remember that night quite clearly because I was driving back to Stockton with Steven after the show. And it was just the two of us in the van with all the gear. And I pulled over at a highway overpass and we were, um, going to the bathroom by the side of the road <laughs> and it was really windy. And I was like, God, that was really awful. Like really terrible. <laughs> and uh, he was like, yeah, it was. And like, then the next day we found ourselves like in Los Angeles playing some sort of weird place that had like, that was com the whole room was completely covered in mirrors. Interesting. And it, yeah, it was terrifying. <laughs> I don't even know what it was. Um, but uh no, um, somehow we made it through all that stuff. Well, so that's the only that's the <clears> only <throat> uh, uh, you know like benchmark I have. So um. yeah, well, I mean, God knows. <laughs> I mean, you're starting way low, dude. So <laughs> I loved it though. I was like so just yeah. happy to see it. So uh, all right, well, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go uh, play some music. I'm gonna play actually from around that same era. This album came out. This is a song that came out in oh. 1991 on an album. Um, called Mush from a band from Sunderland, UK called Leatherface. Well, an absolute legend. So legend. Generally considered, generally considered like the last real English punk band. Legendary punk rock. Yeah. And they were, um, you know, I, I remember them being um, not just straight punk, but also incredibly melodic. And I think almost a precursor to a lot of, I don't want to call it pop punk or emo that came later, um, but almost that bridge from the really just aggressive punk rock to a much more commercial sounding, melodic sounding um, alternative music, but still with this fierce edge um, led by, of course, well, I mean, Frankie look, Stubbs. Look. Okay, they were doing something in the 90s that was way out of style. I mean, Frankie Stubbs, like, you know, yeah. music, they were just, they, they're, they are Sunderland. Yeah. You know, which is, you know, new, like it's Northumberland punk, it's raw. Yeah. And like, 
it would have made a lot more sense like 10, 15 years before. Right. But In, that's, yeah, they, they stuck to their roots. And I think that they're, I think they're whatever. I mean, it, it, play, play the song. We'll talk about we'll it. We'll play it. We'll talk. Um, it was. This hard. is not. This is not 1979. This is 1990. 91. Two or three. 91. Bush. Yeah. yeah. From from the yeah. album Mush. One of the greatest records of the 90s. It, it, absolutely agree. It, this is another one. It was a hard time figuring out which one to play. So I just picked this one, which maybe I don't know. I don't know if they have a best known song. This might be one of them. Uh, Pandora's Box, Leatherface. <laughs> such a catchy song like as punk rock as they are they were just so catchy well i mean do, like when you listen to that doesn't it kind of remind you of like the glory days of 
hearing New Day Rising by Who's Do for the first time. In Absolutely. A way. Yeah, totally. Okay, because I got kind of in a... Um, my dear friend John MacArthur is a massive Leatherface fan. Um, uh-huh. Saw them. Um, so, and he's pushing 60 and they were just so welcome to that generation mm-hmm. of punk rock kids in the nineties when everything was completely not that anymore. Right. You know, so they were just like, you know, kind of like, you know, traditionalists, but like, if you listen to that album, mush, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's imperative um, to see the, it comes with a lyric sheet. Did you, did your copy come with a lyric sheet? Uh, I, you know, I don't know. I only had it on CD originally because I think in the early nineties I was mostly buying CDs mid to the mid. Yeah. There's some like, I think there's some like, there might even be some sort of reissue version now. Sure. The guy is a brilliant lyricist. Yeah. Um, Frankie Stubbs. Frankie Stubbs. And that's a key aspect of it. You're not just, you know, like, um, he's singing and Dickie Hammond, who's no longer with us, the the guitar player second guitarist yeah yeah and um he i mean he i mean i just i i just spent i'm gonna say three weeks ago on a couch in england listening to like one of the most feverish leatherface fans <laughs> of all time well, play like seven of their songs full blast and tell me you know <laughs> stories and while while the songs were going on like it's a i think it's a beautiful thing it's um and i can't do it to that many songs i I did not plan for entertainment i did not plan this i'd been i've been thinking about playing leatherface for months now and i didn't plan it to be right after you got back from john MacArthur blasting leatherface to you so yeah i know it's brilliant it's a great night Um, we actually got scolded by emma MacArthur, which is hard a hard thing to pull off um and actually she's so patient um and just deals with us so well but i think it's a beautiful thing when people uh, and i can only do it for not that many albums can i sing every word from start to finish gang of four entertainments one so like um, I can definitely, I definitely know every word from that record, but to watch John when he was playing leather, leather, Leatherface, um, pull off, you know, <laughs> knowing every lyric on the, on uh, virtually the entire album and, and singing them in with a similar, you know, cause let's face it. Mr. Stubbs doesn't have a beautiful singing voice. It, it reminds uh, me, his voice reminds me a little of Jake Burns from Stiff Little Fingers, you know, and it almost like gargling broken glass. But I'm sure it, he'd be, I'm sure he'd be more than happy with that description. It so works. Um, yeah. And they've actually, I, there's footage on the internet of them playing a show in Canada um, from the last 10 years that was amazing watch. Like just the, the crowd of like probably 400 was so passionate, passionate. It was amazing to see like 250 people, like of the 400, like this singing along to every word he was singing. Right. You know? So right. I think idols like from idols from oh, Bristol, yeah. they get sort of the same response. Yeah. Then, yeah. I mean, um, I, I see Leatherface <clears throat> as kind of a precursor to idols for sure. Oh no, totally. Yeah. No, totally. I think, I think idols are actually, you know, riding the wave of, keeping that sort of 
really early feverish, you know, British punk rock spirit alive. For sure, I mean, it's, it's a tough thing to pull off. You got to have the right cast of it characters, is. and you you have to you have to be able to put on a, a great live show. And I think I never got to see Leatherface live, <clears throat> but from everything I've heard, they were just incredible live. I mean, if you watch the videos of them playing on YouTube, which there are many available, it's about what you'd expect. It's just sure. like, you know, power. It's, yeah, but I mean, there's not, it's nothing theatrical about it. It's right. just like, it's just, it, yeah. it's the same kind of intensity that I saw when I was 16 years old and, and, you know, would have seen like Who's Cardew sure. that actually, unfortunately, sure. did a lot of damage to my eardrums. But, <laughs> right. you know, it's one of those things like, was it worth it? No, but like, I, I'll never forget that, you know, <laughs> you, um, but you have the stories. Yeah. Uh, um, so yeah, no, that's a hard act to follow there, but I'm going to take us to, um, we haven't checked in on our dear friend, um, Christopher who runs Sahel sounds in Portland. Mm-hmm. And, uh, we haven't visited, um, I don't think we've ever, you went to Switzerland. Um, yep. we're going to Niger. Okay. And, um, this is, uh, this is Sahel Sounds. Um, this is a band that started in 1995. It's a family affair. Ogli Migi, M-I-G-I, um, started the band. Et Etron de l'air, which means the stars to the air. And um, you'll have to excuse me, whatever language they speak there. Um, and this is a brand new album, which is kind of exciting. This is a band that's been around for a long time, made a lot of great stuff. They play this genre now, which is, I guess, sort of accurately being um, vaguely described as desert blues, which includes Bambino and sure. Mdu Mokhtar. Sure. And this is a song off um, the city. It's named after the city they're from, the album on Sahel Sounds, which is Agadez in Niger, which is an urban area in the desert. And it's a really cool song called Adunya.
so good. Yeah. You know, it's great. Listen, and, um, you know, as a, as a band that plays parties in Agadez. <laughs> right. I mean, weddings, like, you know, and like we're talking about, we're not talking about, you know, proper gigs. The stages are talking like, you know, placing the, all the elements involved, the amps and everything. So, you know, people can, you know, sort of stand around and listen. I yeah. mean, you know, there isn't a PA a lot right. of times. Right. Um, and, you know, kudos to Christopher Kirkley from Sahel um, in Portland there for making, not only curating this music and making it available with a kind of a really impressive worldwide distribution network, network but the um, affordability is amazing. Absolutely. Like, uh, Absolutely. I just pre-ordered my copy of that for <clears throat> 20 bucks, including postage mm-hmm. on vinyls. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, He's not profiteering. Yeah, totally. Um, And I I just love love that sound, you know, that that, uh, shuffling metronomic drummer uh, who just, like, is relentless, you know, like, throughout the whole song, just keeping that beat, and then that squirrely guitar coming through and the vocals over the top. It's just, like, I'm such a sucker for that kind of sound. Well, I think it's an appreciation, too, or uh, I think there's... In the case of this band, which started in the 90s, which features a lot of members of of the family, it's a family affair. And so when they first started making music, original music in the 90s, it it was being done with like crude instruments, like just the availability of having like a Fender Strat and the amp was mind blowing. Sure. Um, So, I mean... It's, it's just, it, it is a, it is, yeah, I think when you take that sort of simplitude of making music like that, so you develop like this incredible energy, then when you actually have like gear, like, I mean, I remember, you know, reading that about MD Mokhtar when he got like, you know, his, his first like really good electric guitar, like, uh, it just, you know, blew his mind. And, um, obviously he's, he's worked it really well. And I think, you know, they sort of do the same thing. I mean, sure. Um, and I can't imagine, like, uh, I imagine they'll be doing some touring. I think they're touring, uh, um, <laughs> Europe right now. I think I saw yeah, something that so they're I mean, touring so Europe. Now they're playing proper venues. So that must be yeah. like a whole new level for them. Yeah. I can just, just tell you from seeing MD Mokhtar, which is the best live concert I've seen in the last decade, that if you have any opportunity to see this band, you guys, I would assume... Yeah. That's like the eighth time I've said that verb <laughs> that you can see that you'll see something that um, at the very least will um, have you have you digging it and dancing a little in the case of uh, in the case of me seeing MD Mokhtar like over an hour of myself on the balls on the balls on my feet. <laughs> um, and the same can be said of like about when the first time I saw Flaming Gods who from Bahrain. Yeah. I mean, I just think the excitement of uh, it, you can you just the energy's different. Yeah. There's no, yeah. um, there's no petulance. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's it's all, all like just like pure joy. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, and probably the most exciting time of the day, which it should be if you're a touring band, um, is when you're actually on stage. I know right. that from tour managing a lot of bands that often the stage were quite miserable and the joy would come out on stage and that's really what it's all about like sure um because that's you know 
that's what it's all about, isn't it? That's why you're on tours. So, it is. Yeah, um, I, I hope they do come over to the States because I'd love to see them live. But uh, I think for now, it's just Europe. So if you can go. Well, you know, one, one of the great things about living in Portland is you're more likely to see them than anybody else. That's true. Based, you know, yeah. considering where Sahel Sounds is based. Yeah, uh, quite likely. Yeah. But we'll see. New York, um, San Fran, L.A., Portland. Fingers crossed. Um, yeah. Oh, you get them. You'll I, get them. I like, yeah. so Bob, I have to say, I like that four of the six songs we're playing tonight are uh, from 2021, right? Four well, of yeah, the six. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, we're excited about we're excited about the future. New music, yeah. Um, but I'm going to play one. I'm going to play the oldest of the songs that we're going to hear on the show tonight. Uh, from 1968, from a debut record, debut solo record of, I mean, we've used the term legend on the show, um, you know, maybe a little loosely. This is this is an absolute drumming legend. Um, not a household name. Not really a household name, but played... Unless you're into, like, seriously into drummers. Yes. I mean, if you're into drummers and you're aware of him, you know the name Bernard Pretty Purdy. Uh, played with Aretha Franklin, played with the Stones, James Brown, BB King. You, you well, name how does he refer to himself? Uh, he refers to himself as the most recorded drummer, uh, the world's most recorded drummer. Oh. I'm not going to argue with that. Whoop. Yeah, Whoop. Bernard's so anxious to get going as he, the world's most recorded drummer, he started his track early. He, he wanted he wanted to yeah. go with that. That was a sneak preview from his his website. Um, BernardPrettyPurdy.com. He's got yeah, uh, yeah, Purdy, Purdy being P-U-R-D-I-E. In case you never heard. Per, of him. Yeah, P-U-R-D-I-E is his last name. Uh, but I'm gonna go way back. He like must I said. have been pretty. So, um, his uh, debut solo LP was called Soul Drums, uh, a classic slab of instrumental funk soul from 1968. Here you go, title track, Soul Drums, Bernard Pretty Purdy. And we're done.
you know, they had to fade that one out because I think Bernard would have just kept on going for for. Oh, I'm sure like it would have. Hours. It's a shame they faded it out, actually. Right? <laughs> it really is. Uh, the Purdy Shuffle, which, you know, he invented. Um, a, a good friend of mine who I've definitely played his, his solo music on the show, Steve Cobby and Fila Brasilia. Sure. And he's got a he's got a little thing um, behind his house because he's, you know, he's a multi-instrumentalist. And uh, so he, he'd been practicing the Purdy Shuffle for a, a long time. And he put a video up about six months ago when he actually mastered it, or at least figured it out and played it. Uh, um, that's that's how tricky it is. That's uh, great. It's funny that he's he's one of Maryland's most celebrated musicians. He'd be about he definitely is over eighty now. Uh, he's I think from he Maryland. Was, I think he's almost eighty. I think he was born in forty two. So he's. Now I'm gonna bet you. I'm gonna bet you on that. You're gonna bet me. Forty. I'll bet you. I'll bet. Oh, you. I think you're bet? right. Uh, you're right. You're right. You're right. Yeah, he's born in Maryland. Who was and, I? Um, his, his nickname's Mississippi Bigfoot. You're right. He was he was born in uh, 39. You're right. So he is. So how do you how do you get how do you get if you're born in Maryland how do you, how do you get the name Mississippi Bigfoot? <laughs> is, that a, is there a punchline <laughs> to that, or is that a rhetorical question? I mean, I feel like he's you know he's maybe he's got size seven shoes and his, he's born in Maryland. And maybe, you know, it's complete sarcasm, but I, I yeah, nah, Bernard Purdy. Um, you know, it's funny. Like, um, if you Google or whatever your search engine of choices, um, greatest drum solos of all time, have you ever, have you ever bothered to do that? Um, I have not. No, it doesn't sound like something you would do. No, it's not uh, really. Yeah. Not my okay. vibe. You'll get this like insane collection of bizarre, over-the-top, 60-piece drum kit <laughs> from the last 25 years heavy right. metal things. Sure. So if you go see something like Slipknot, who apparently has this incredibly athletic drummer, sure. who's not spinning around at a ball, like flying, whatever, like, it's just so bizarre, like... There's no way any of those lads, any of those beasts of rock, could hold a candle to Bernard Purdy. Right. Uh, you know, I have to say. I mean, even like, I mean, even like, you, I think generally, like, one interesting thing about growing up in our age group is like, you know, remember like uh, um, this whole approach to music where like, who's the greatest guitar yes. player of all time? Yes. And who's the greatest drummer of all time? Yes. So like names like right. Neil Peart. Neil yes. Peart would always come up. Yves Malmsteen. I, and I hated, I hated that kind of stuff. It was like, you know, I don't know, teenage dick measure. Well, it's just like, you know, it was, it was a, it was a jock approach yeah. to music, right. which is, you right. know. And it wasn't my, wasn't my vibe. Yep. So it was all nobody. Nobody was familiar with like Ray Washam or George Hurley or something. No, you know, so I have to um, say when I when I chose to play Bernard Pretty Purdy, I, I had no, I, I, I you could, I would never have guessed that that uh, a, a discussion of sl Slipknot would have resulted. Well, you know, I mean, <laughs> the, the dude from Slipknot is no Todd Trainer, is he? You know, no, no. Let's face it. No, you know, so <clears throat> no. Anyways. All right. Well, um, as always, my man, go, Bernard. a huge pleasure. Thank you for yeah, taking thank the time. You, yeah. You're feeling all right? Yeah. I'm feeling good. Yeah. Did. Yeah. Get to get after it this weekend a little bit. Yeah. Chill out. Yeah. That's right. Um, 
yeah, stay healthy, stay safe. Uh, I love you, my man. Uh, it's always a pleasure talking. Yeah, love you too, man. We'll do this pen again soon. Yeah, pen not pencil. Episode one seventy three. You uh, got it. You gonna you gonna play pen not pencil on episode one seventy three? I won't wait till I get my keyboard in the mail. Okay. Yeah, maybe I'll right. do that. I'll play some cool. pen, not pencil for you. I'll make a band up for you. Deal. I love it. All right. All right. Thank you Talk all. You Thanks soon. for listening.